Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Johnny Serpola, who is a founder of Encourage LLC. He is also an entrepreneur, passionate leader, and a committed family man. In today's episode, Johnny and I talk about his international bestseller, Life is Hard, But It'll Be Okay, The Power of Hope, Emerging Through Pain, and Learning to Live with Gratitude. This book will help you reframe your life and realize that a stumbling block can be a stepping stone. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. I am really looking forward to this. We had a fantastic talk in the pre-call, so I can't wait to hear all the things that you're doing. But we did make a joke about this. Apparently, today is a blue day. <laughs> so That's right. Perfect minds are in sync. <laughs> now, you have done so many things that I've read about. You were huge or are huge in the RV world. You've experienced so many different things, and now you're an author, public speaker. And so we're definitely, like I said, going to talk about your book. How did you make this transition from the RV world into this transformational space? So, James, for me, my career was chosen for me. Actually, my dad chose my college degree as well. He said, Johnny, you're going to be an accounting major. And I said, okay, pops. And off I went uh, for (laughs) undergraduate. I got to choose my graduate degree, though, um, in organizational behavioral management. But so I followed um, in the family's footsteps. And then um, after being in that industry for 30 years, I uh, decided that at 50, I think I was old enough to decide what I really wanted to do. And I loved the industry that I was in. It helped keep families together and great recreation time. But I was really ready to follow my passions and, and helping people. Um, and also, you know, really looking for that, call it the second half of life. You know, what impact mm-hmm. was I going to make? And so I started my company Encourage. And I know you went through a lot of really a lot of heartache. But as we said, you know, at the intro there, that assembly block can definitely be a stepping stone with all of the, the the personal things that you've experienced. If you want to talk about, you may, but with all that, you found hope and you found purpose. What was it that happened in your life that helped you realize that through everything you've experienced, there is something on the other side? So for us, um, our challenge was building a family. And as a full-blooded Italian, for me, the the idea of family was everything Uh, more important than business success. And so uh, for us in that journey, um, it was a tough one. Uh, we had, um, after years of infertility, we had uh, triplets, uh, Nicholas, Mary, and Peter, uh, and they passed away um, shortly after they were born. Um, and then we went on for a number of other struggles through um, adoptions, uh, failed international adoptions, failed domestic adoptions, 
um, and then scary pregnancies and life-threatening circumstances for my wife. And, and so for, for me, I think first and foremost, not having Nicholas Marion Peter's life defined as a tragedy um, was really important to both of us. I could mm-hmm. not live in the space that our children were a tragic ending and that we were scarred by that. I needed to repurpose those thoughts and uh, through yes. cognitive behavioral therapy that our psychologist um, and a partner of mine today, uh, Dr. Barb Fordyce, put us through. We really learned how to reframe our thoughts. And through that, I was able to see so many blessings that came from their short lives. And, and then I wanted, I was on a mission to ensure that it, I felt it in the deepest core. It wasn't a, at the time because we were in such a dark place after the funeral and all those things. It wasn't about trying to project that out to others. It was just about survival so that we yeah. can thrive rather than survive. And so it was just getting that in our own minds to say, oh, that their lives don't have to be tragic. It can be a blessing. And there was so much beauty and grace in it and, and the gift of God that we've got to be their parents um, and still remain their parents is something that is one of the greatest blessings of my life. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I really appreciate your authenticity and your transparency. I'm sure many people can understand what you've experienced and, and have, having lost someone that they love as well, or know someone, of course, that they've lost. But in all that though, like you said, you found your, your faith in God sustained you. Tell me more about that. You know, it, it, it's, um, for us, it was never, um, you know, God, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. never thought that not even for a second we we yeah. knew that um you know in free will that god never promised us that this life is going to be easy that's actually kind of where the life is hard um yeah. title is coming from a bit but you know for for us we found god with us in that journey right there in the time that nicholas mary and peter were alive it was one of the chapters is entitled footprints in the sand because he literally mm-hmm. carried us through that yes. process. And we were the happiest people in that hospital, um, even while our babies were dying. And so there was grace there. And, and he showed us how clearly that he can be there. And then through the actions of others, James, the care and concern and the love that was expressed to us. And fortunately, we were in our 20s. We were young when this happened, that it showed us really how we needed to love others and how we needed to be there for others. Um, even when we had some of our closest friends, our three best friends were all pregnant. We all were due at the same time. And, you know, their babies being born and living and thriving, we had so much joy for them. And God really gave us that grace to be there for them. Yes. What's well, one of the things in psychology we, we talk about is called a dialectic. It's a fancy term that basically means two opposing things can exist at the same time. So you can be very happy for your friends and you can also grieve 100% for for your children as well and also enjoy your children. So the whole aspect is of when we think oh it has to be one or the other or I can't be happy for them because I'm hurting etc. Thankfully that was not what you did but we can all realize that a dialectic is something we can live in. You can be heartbroken because your your children are gone but you can also thrive and be so excited that you had the opportunity to be their parent. You have these other opportunities. And so the dialectics are so important because it really allows for the complexity of our emotions and the understanding that it doesn't have to be one or the other and it really honors everything we're experiencing in that moment. I love when you say that, that it doesn't have to be one or the other, because um, as as maybe a Catholic with Catholic guilt, um, I struggled uh, early on when our first son um, was born. And 
you know, I say we have three children today that are 22, 24, and 26, and one of them's adopted. I, I don't remember which one um, because uh, the, the biology became insignificant to us. But um, when our when our son Bo was born, um, and he is the adopted one, by the way, um, you know, it is a conflict that I felt because I was so happy. Mm. And yeah. it just felt unnatural to be so happy and moving on. And I think we can all feel that, whether it's a grief of a spouse that's died and you're moving on or a divorce mm-hmm. or, or any, any loss that we have, um, mm-hmm. and that we feel that battle. And I really yeah. felt that my wife did not, um, her, she doesn't have the anxiety that I have and the mm-hmm. active thinking mind that I have. She's got sure. a grace and peace and calm about her that really sustained us. But it, that, it didn't have to be one or the other. And mm-hmm. I, I really needed through therapy. And that's why I'm so thankful for people like you who commit their lives to helping others, because I really needed to be given that permission. I needed to be sure. told and expressed that point that you just made. So I, I love that message. And well, thank you. And also the other aspect of moving on, everyone has a different connotation. In other words, a different idea of what that means. For some people moving on, it can look in a way of, they just forget the past and they just move on and they just do something new and don't even, sometimes they don't take the lessons they could have learned. Other times moving on is, is just in a different way, but moving on can also be the aspect of um, the dialectic of I'm, yes, I'm moving on in my life when it comes to new experiences, new people, new situations. And also I can still hold on to the beauty and the memory of someone or something that I experienced. And so with that, the moving on doesn't have to be a one or the other, just like the dialectic. It is uh, using the memory and the, the grace and the, and the beauty and the love of this. So have it be a part of your life and still honor it every day and also experience these new things as well. So moving on, once again, doesn't have to be, we leave the past and move forward. It just simply can be the way that you want it to be by using one of these dialectics. That's right. And, you know, I kind of looked at the opportunity for post-traumatic growth, right? We all know what PTSD is. We, you know, we hear about that quite a bit and it's real. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to stay in PTSD because I, we yeah. felt um, that stress, right? We did, I didn't want to stay there. So what I got encouraged by was the post-traumatic growth that can happen if mm-hmm. we adopted these um, methodologies and thought, if we were open and we listened and we stayed faithful to God, I was encouraged by what can be ahead. I'm not saying that it, you know, it was, there weren't times when my wife and I couldn't get out of bed in the morning and we were spending way too much time at the cemetery. Um, but I was encouraged that there has to be purpose for this pain and, and then honoring Nicholas, Mary, and Peter by having them be transformative in our lives for good, just felt like the only way that I could get through this. We'll be right back. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. If you're just returning with us, I'm speaking with Johnny Serpilla. We're speaking about his book, Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay. The Power of Hope, Emerging Through Pain and Learning to Live with Gratitude. So Johnny, we spoke a lot of the earlier aspect of this um, interview about 
the pain that you, you and your wife experienced, but the joy that came from it. But I wanted to transition right into your book. So tell us more about the book. Is this a memoir? Is this a self-help book? What kind of book is this specifically? It's really both of those, James. It, it chronicles our lives through the age of about 25 to 33. And it mm -hmm. is an opportunity for us to use our story, which, you know, truly, as I even wrote it, and as others have read it, the feedback has been so phenomenal. But even people close to us really didn't realize all the intricacies mm -hmm. and challenges that went on. And there were 13 different scenarios of children that came in wow. and out of our lives uh, before we oh ended up with the three that we raised. And so it's really using that story um, as the backdrop to the psychological principles of mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy and reframing thoughts to see life situations that happen to us um, in, a, in a different light. And so the book is really dedicated uh, to anyone who finds life to be hard. I think that is really mm -hmm. all of us. Life is hard. And then also it is a message for those who provide strength and wisdom for the journey to help yeah. people. And so it kind of serves both sides, those who need the help and encouragement to those who can offer the help. I'm really glad you worked with that psychologist, um, but with cognitive behavioral therapy. So for people who don't know what that is, it's a different methodology. It's multiple methodologies in psychology, but cognitive behavioral therapy focuses on your thoughts and how it affects your, your behaviors. There's a subset of that, which is called rationally emotive behavioral therapy, which is also great. Both are fantastic. Cognitive behavioral therapy is fantastic. The REBT, the rationally emotive behavioral therapy, what that does, it goes a little bit deeper and says your thoughts determine your feelings. Your feelings determine what you do. And so when you can interrupt your thought cycle, then all of a sudden it allows you to say, okay, well, if I think about this a little bit differently, just like you guys said, think about this differently, this changes my mood. Changing my mood then allows my body to then create different neurochemicals or just have a different response. And so if you, if a person is struggling in general, if you can't change your thoughts, you can focus on your mood. Well, if I don't like feeling angry, what can I, what kind of activity can I do so I don't feel angry? So if I do that activity, then all of a sudden it changes my mood, which then helps me focus on something else. Or if we come at, if we're, for example, your um, behaviors in general, you don't like that. Let's say I'm arguing with someone. Well, if I don't want to argue, what if I just stop talking? So if I stop talking, that changes my mood. So I'm not angry, which then changes my thoughts. So any different way that, or any way that a person can recognize thoughts, emotions, behaviors, if you interrupt any of those, it gives you the opportunity to reframe something, to look at it how you want to look at it, as opposed to the way we're, we've been conditioned to look at something. Yeah, and that's such a valuable tool to use. And when, when we were uh, taught that, and when we were mm -hmm. shown that there is another way out we needed that. That was the yeah. really the the self nourishment that we needed versus the self medication, whether you use mm -hmm. alcohol or drugs or food or other things to try to mask feelings. I have anxiety. I'm an anxious guy. Um, I mm -hmm. worry about everything. Um, the things I worry about many times do happen. I always worried had a fear of losing a child, um, mm. and and that happened. And so. You know, when we think about um, my active thinking, as, as mm -hmm. I like to call it before I was officially diagnosed with anxiety, you know, yeah. inside my head, there's so many thoughts that are going on. You take that and you put that inside a marriage where I might be having those thoughts and my wife wasn't having those thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of cast those on to her. We worked hard to ensure that we grieved together, that we stayed close to each okay. other through this challenge. Uh, that lasted years. And when we thought we were at a low, we found that there was a new low that we didn't know existed that was around mm -hmm. the corner. 
and mm-hmm. and that they the idea of you know thinking that life is going to have a challenge and then you just overcome that and you just keep going in the upward trajectory that's ideal mm-hmm. but there's more hills and valleys in the process and so you know being in therapy helped us so much to grieve together and not grieve apart the statistics of couples that divorce after mm-hmm. child loss is staggering yes. and yes. Uh, even the the uh, statistic on couples that, with infertility, um, couples with financial stress, right? I mean, you can go through any life challenge uh, when life is hard and, and see that things don't go in your favor. So we were very intentional about taking the steps from professionals like okay. you that, that could help us to the other side. If, if I may ask, obviously, they're putting you on a spot here, but if, because so many couples do struggle with we're staying together as, as they grieve separately. There's there's a lot of emotions, so much there. What was it about all this that you were able to both agree, regardless, you don't have to go into, into the weeds of it, about it, but what was it that you said that, how did you stay together? In other words, so for people who are listening, who may be struggling with that or may unfortunately experience that in the future, what was it about the two of you that says, we are going to weather this together? Our faith in God, number one. Um, and we were not alone in this marriage. There were three of us in this yeah. marriage. and and so. What we were experiencing, we were experiencing together, and um, we were committed to each other. We were committed to God, and we never got stuck in the why me mentality. Uh, Matter of fact, there's a chapter in the book called Why Not Us, and we genuinely Mm -hmm. thought that at the time. People would say to us, oh, this has to be so hard, and you're probably wondering why me. At the funeral, people would say that, or after, and the answer was always genuinely no, not at all. I mean, look at this world. Mm -hmm. There's awful things happening to people all over the world all the time. We have had many, many blessings. We have each other. Um, There's, we do have our careers. There's a plenty of good things going on. This is our turn. This is our cross to carry. And so I think that did help us, James, that we went into therapy, not having to Mm -hmm. get over the hurdle and spend time on why me? Because it was more natural Mm -hmm. to think, why not? That's a really good point. It's, it's interesting to reframe because yes, when we do experience grief, it can also feel like it's not fair. And so there are 15 common thinking errors. So thinking errors are essentially the lens we use. I don't have my glasses here. So uh, think of like glasses that we use that are skewed. And so if the prescription, the slickers, if, if, but if the prescription is too, is too high and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can't really see. So it's kind of like what those thinking errors do. And so thinking errors just like that lens. So if I think of something, um, and, and I use that thinking error and all of a sudden how I look at the world is different. So one of those is heaven's reward fallacy. In other words, if I do this, then I'm going to be rewarded with something or this is not fair. Life is not fair. So I did this for this person and it's not fair. So we take that one of those thinking errors or that thinking error itself and we project that onto life. It's not fair. It's not fair. I don't deserve this. I've done everything I can. And so when we use that, then all of a sudden we do get caught in that loop and that loop of, of, why me? It's not fair. And once again, there's nothing wrong with feeling that. But if we get lost in that, then that's unfortunately the, the struggle that we'll have that becomes your, a person's mentality or their lifestyle. So I'm sure you have, if, even if you had it for a second, didn't have it for a second, that's totally fine. But the point is, is that when we experience grief, there's an appropriate time of grief. And once that appropriate time of grief is done, and it's different for every single person, it's important to say, now what? Another fancy term we have in psychology is called radical acceptance. We accept the facts as they are. 
We don't like what happened. We never want to go through it again, but these are the facts. I can choose to live in misery or I can choose to say, this is, this is inevitable, but what do I do with it? And so that's exactly what you all did as well is you didn't use that thinking error. You use that form of radical acceptance, which I'm sure you didn't know that term, but it allows you to then say, what do we do with this? We choose to move forward in our life. And I'm so proud of you both that I say that on this side, because I would didn't experience with you, but so proud of you that you are a testament of loss and what do you do with the loss and through the loss comes purpose and through that purpose comes the way to edify and to give back to other people who may be struggling as well that's right and and you know when we went through that process again feeling all the emotion expressing it you know having good days having bad days Mm -hmm. um, and finding purpose it really transcended into other areas of our lives it my business life um when i was running my company um, you know, several years after I ended up selling my company to a much larger company and then became president of that company. And, and we grew that to, you know, a $4 billion enterprise. And I was blessed to be on that executive team. And we had over 10,000 employees. And I felt that I was qualified to lead people because I had an understanding of their struggles at home. I might not have known what their struggles yeah, were, sure. but I knew from yeah. my own that they have them. And that when they come to work, I need to be responsible to create an environment for them where they are appreciated, valued, uplifted, so that when they go home, Mm -hmm. they can go home and be their best. Because if they are treated poorly at work, when they go home and exert the control or power that they have at home negatively towards wife, husband, children, parents, whoever it might be, some of that as a leader is on me if I'm fostering that in 10 hours a day in in a work environment. And so it doesn't mean that I didn't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean that we didn't have clear financial goals and metrics to meet and performance and customer service standards, all those things we had to do, but there's the right way to do it. And there was the right way to approach dialogue and conversation, even difficult ones. And I felt James more in touch with that because of what I had Mm. gone through. And I, I felt called to do better. Because now I knew that true sorrow that so many other people knew before me. And I think that really bespeaks to your leadership style or just who you are as a person. Because yes, it's easy to create a culture in, a, in an organization where it's very dogmatic. It's very authoritarian. And in doing that, sure, all the, everything is financially maybe secure. But the culture, if that is damaged, then yes, there's no empathy that's attached to that. And a culture in a, an organization is only as good as the empathy that each person can demonstrate for themselves. Because if, if like you said, you created that world and then the person displaces their anger and the feeling at, at, at home, then yes, then all of a sudden it creates this negative loop, which then all of a sudden causes the person not to want to come to work. And so that can affect their relationships at home as well. So to have this to, from the, the leadership down, to have this empathic, the servant leadership type of leadership style that you have, you can tell, I mean, that's why you guys were so successful at everything you did. And yes, just like we said at the very beginning, everything we experience, we get to decide what we do with it. Is it a stumbling block or is it a stepping stone? So I'm so, once again, so glad that you were able to choose this, choose the stepping stone side. Of course, you'd never want to go through it again. But in that, you found mercy, you found grace, you found joy, you found purpose. That's right. We did. And, 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 and strangely, I think, you know, with our children now at 22, 24, and 26, um, all living in Chicago, um, I, I feel now qualified to be a parent. Um, you know, I feel like now that we've done it, I think I could really do a good job if I was given another opportunity. That is hysterical. Well, John and Sir Pilla, it has been such a pleasure having you on my show today. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you, to purchase your book, to learn all the things about you, your website's fantastic. Where will they find this, all this information online? 
Well, the book is uh, certainly available on Amazon. I'm very proud of a uh, number one um, bestseller distinction in three countries in 19 categories and uh, the hot number one hot new release in 23 categories. So very proud of that. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles uh, online. And then, of course, on my website, encourage33.com, you can find out more about me or on Instagram at Johnny Serpilla or LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, once again, the name of the book is Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay, The Power of Hope Emerging Through Pain and Learning to Live with Gratitude. All that can be found in the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com. Johnny Serpula, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. Thanks for having me, James. I appreciate you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.